Namaste, yogis. Welcome to episode 10 of the Happy Jack Yoga podcast. Wow, we're making progress. That's so exciting. 10 times now. That's like, that's a, that's a milestone. Something to really be, be pleased with. So thank you all for, for being a part of it. Uh, thank you for the acknowledgments. I love the virtual hands there from Elizabeth, the virtual clap. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm Happy Jack, coming at you live from Harvard Divinity School in Cambridge University, USA. And I am here with... Happy Hannah, and I am still in Liechtenstein. Amazing, amazing. And thank you to everybody who's here a part of this journey, whether you're uh, Diana on the car, she's always start, she's driving at the start of the podcast, and by the end, she's settled in. Uh, very committed, I love it. Um, but quick shout out to the yogis who are here, Diana, Elizabeth, Jewel, Martina, Sandra, Chada, Sue, Alice, Squat, Scott, and Yada. <laughs> so awesome to have you all here with us. And um, I actually I should just say that that was a Freudian slip, I think. I meant to say to you, Scott, before we started, um, we might pull you on here at some point midway to talk about that idea you had last time. Um, if you don't recall, is about how yoga makes me want to be a better person. So now everybody who's listening to the podcast just heard the background, um, but that, that may be coming up halfway. So everybody who's here live, thank you for being here. Everybody who's listening on Spotify or Apple or Google or all of those different platforms, thank you for, for being here as well. And thank, we, we had that call to action, Hanna, at the end of the last episode um, where we said, you know, invited people to leave us that five-star review on, on the podcast platform. And we hit our goal. We uh, Spotify, we now have 13 five-star reviews on Spotify. So that's super exciting. Thank you for those who have taken the time uh, you know, to, to click the button and give us a five-star. I think more people listen on Spotify than Apple because Apple is still steady at nine, is not, has not budged, nine, nine reviews. So if, if anybody happens to be on Apple, we welcome a review, but uh, thank you to the Spotify listeners. There, and, there's a competition between these platforms now. Yeah, I guess. I, I will be honest, I do listen to, I do tend to favor Spotify myself. So to me, that makes sense, but I guess we all have our preference. And um, so thanks for here live. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everybody who makes a, a Patreon donation. You know, it's a listener supported podcast. We have a little Patreon page set up, patreon.com forward slash happy Jack yoga. That allows us to keep doing this. So we'll hit a hundred episodes. And eventually I'm telling you one day, we're going to celebrate a thousand episodes. I feel it like this is, this is not a something we're dabbling with here. We are just getting started. Um, so th thanks to those who make a donation there. It unlocks some really cool content if you want to check that out. Um, if you want to practice live yoga with us, Hanna teaches a yoga class every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 30 minutes. It's free. Uh, email us, info at happyjackyoga.com, and we will get you the link. Um, so you can just get in a quick little 30-minute lunchtime yoga practice. All right. It's time to get started. We got a lot of good stuff. We got, you know, we got a really a lot of really good stuff. The first thing to share, I haven't even really debriefed you on this yet, Hanna, but I have now officially had my first therapy session. So I, th I think I'm fixed. 
I think I think it's all figured out. <laughs> Yada's like, no, she's shaking her head. First, she's celebrating that I had therapy. And then when I said it's all fixed, she's like, no, no, good luck, buddy. Uh, no, of course not. It's it's a it's a journey, but I loved it. I love the session. Um, this is a, a therapist that you and I met, Hanna. So we, we both we know, uh, got to know relatively well and really trust some of the things that that really stood out to me. I just made a few notes. Because I seem to, I seem to have doubts, you know, doubts, not like serious doubts of like, oh my God, my life's falling apart or I don't know what to do. Nothing serious, but just like this insecurity, these doubts. And, and we've talked about this on previous episodes. And, and the one thing she said right off the bat is that like actually having doubt is good. It's good. You know, it's good to have questions. It's good to be curious, you know. Um, and, and then the, th- the other thing she said that really resonated is, Jack, maybe you're not here to know, like maybe you're not here to know everything. You know, knowledge gets us so far. Knowledge and wisdom, it's really good, um, but it, it, it gets us so far. Maybe that's not our purpose of existence, to know everything, to figure everything out, to know with certainty who are, you know, what we believe, or to know who our partner for life needs to be, or what our occupation needs to be. Maybe we're not here to know. And I, I guess for me, it gave me this sense of like, took some pressure off of like, oh, you mean I don't have to figure all of this out? Rather, I can just like enjoy and be on the journey. And I know, Hannah, as I'm sharing these things, jump in anytime. But I know as I'm sharing this, you're, you're pr- a lot of time, you're probably like, mm, Jack, I, I've been telling you this, <laughs> or I could have told you this. And no. um, but so, so, sometimes we need to hear it. Uh, from a neutral person. Sometimes we need to hear it many times. And at the right time. But I think like another way to think about it might be that there's a part of you that wants to know. And there's a part of you that's okay with not knowing. Like, you know, Elise Lowen said once that if it's a paradox, then we know it's true when there's like, when there's both. If you think about the yin and yang symbol too, it's not just mm-hmm. one is black and the other side is white. There's a part where they kind of like get integrated a little bit from each other. Yeah, exactly. That's it's a great point. Like obviously I'm I'm here at graduate school. I'm studying um so I am seeking and and gaining knowledge. So it's not that that's a, a loss by any means. But I just like I had this visualization of that like knowledge gets us so far and then eventually we need to we need to switch that to faith or trust or you know dropping from our head down to our heart we've heard that idea before and that's that i that's that shift from you know gyana yoga the yoga of wisdom to bhakti yoga the yoga of love the yoga of devotion the yoga of service um, and and just being able to to drop into our heart and I think the other thing, to me, sorry to interrupt, but to me, know. that also sounds like knowing is in the head and then in the heart, it's an experience. So when it mm-hmm. becomes an experience, then also your knowing kind of changes, right? Yeah, it does. And that's what I, that's my biggest thing. You'll remember, Hanna, the day we met, right, coming up on 10 years ago, I was leading a workshop called Lead With Your Heart. Right, and I've shared this before. I was teaching a heart opening workshop because I need to to open my heart. I needed to open up, and, and honestly, I'm recognizing again at this stage, even though I've progressed in ten years, you know, there is still this 
I don't, maybe it's not so much about opening my heart, but like connecting to my heart, dropping into my heart. And the other thing she said that really made me, I guess, brought some ease was when she said like, you know, if something feels right, then do it. And it's like, it's so funny because I share that we share this with our students all the time. If it feels right, do it. And if at some point it doesn't feel right or doesn't resonate or something changes, well, then we can move on, right? Whether that's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a, a spiritual path, whatever it happens to be, right? Nothing has to be forever per se, but just, you know, doing what feels right. And also like, it's not like we make one decision and then that is valid forever. Like parts of it might be. And then I think in today's world, we live many lives within the one life. Typically people might have a career change or friendships or they move or make decisions that create a different life, right? So it's not that we're always living the same life either. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, that's so great. And uh, I just got to quickly acknowledge the a couple of comment or uh, the comment I see in the chat. Our friend Sue saying, I'm, I'm considering starting therapy myself, but I question whether it's possible to truly change your mindset. And Yada jumps in, oh yeah, it is. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. I love that you're in this inquiry as well, Sue. Um, I'll just do a quick shout out. Actually, so Hanna right now, she's, as we know, she's in Europe um, training as well as leading some retreats. But part of the training you're doing is a master's level, uh, a master's in yogic psychotherapy. And, and part of your program is actually that you need, you get to, to practice working and, and you're looking, you're looking for one individual uh, who would be interested in doing that one-on-one -on -one psychotherapy uh, experience. So if that's you, Sue, uh, no pressure. I'm just, but if there's anybody, anybody on, Sue is like, yes, please me. Uh, if anybody's interested, again, email us at info at happyjackyoga.com. Uh, we'll get you connected with Hanna. If anybody's listening on the, you know, you don't have to be here in Zoom with us. Because um, yeah, it's like, it's, at least I'm discovering, it's not about fixing, and I'm no expert, I'm, I'm just the recipient, but I, I understand it's not about like fixing or changing. There's just something about a sacred conversation. And as much as I feel like I'm very open and very vulnerable um, in, in these contexts, on the podcast, in our, in our sharing circles, in the satsang, um, there's like another level when it's a one-on-one -on -one with somebody completely neutral um, who you're not trying to impress in any way. It's confidential, it's professional. And of course they have some expertise in asking the right questions and holding a space. So yeah, they have the training to help you see things that you might not, you know, think about because life happens so fast, but it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with any one of us who goes to therapy. It's not like there's, there's a part of us that already knows. And that's the part that I think the therapist wants you to get access to. So the healing doesn't happen because of the therapist. It happens because you get connected with the wisdom that is inside of you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And she she left me with a prayer, uh, you know, a, a prayer, however, whatever language we want to use. But, you know, it was along the lines of like, I tr like right now, the path I'm on, I trust that this is right for me. It feels right. And if at some point it's not, you know, let me know. Let me know, you know, whether you talk to divinity or the universe or higher power, whatever that is, just let me know. 
And if we reflect back on life, you know, there we've, we've done that so many times where we, we, we make a decision, we have an experience, um, whatever, uh, whatever we, however we describe that experience. And at some point we, we move on to something else. Um, and because she actually, she left me with uh, a couple of journaling questions. So I'll share these with others if, if you want to try them out. The first journaling question, uh, she said, like, journal on what are some of the best choices that you made in your adult life? Some of the best decisions. And, and then also one or two divine interventions that helped support those decisions, which really caught me off guard because it, it, it goes to show whatever it goes to show i don't know i don't want to start criticizing myself but i felt like i can come up with a really big list of of uh, good decisions that i've made and you know successes or whatever and then i was stuck of like well what divine interventions like i guess i i have this i have this illusion that i'm fully in control of everything Right. That's just like because because I do this, then this happens because I worked hard, then this happened. And and of course, some of that is true. But, you know, really opening up this idea of like there, there is more at play, whether it's other people in our lives, whether it's teachers, whether it's a higher power. And um, so I'm going to do that reflection. And then the other thing she she invited me to do is like to set a date to say, you know, instead of obsessing about this and and it's not like it's some big negative thing that's weighing me down but instead of having any anxiety or stress around this every day indefinitely why not set a date of like you know what i'm just gonna go all in i'm gonna trust the universe i'm gonna trust this experience and then at some point at some defined date reevaluate and so that's what i'll do you know i've as many of you know i've shared i'm moving into the the yoga ashram to the Bhakti Yoga Temple, right, in just over a month uh, or two months, I guess, in January. And, uh, and like, that's a full immersion. I don't know exactly what to experience, but I, I'm going to let go of expectations of what I need to experience and how I need to change and what I need to learn and let go of all of that and just like fully experience it. And then in April of next year, well, then I can reevaluate and figure out like, hey, does this community feel right to me? Does this path feel right to me? Does this practice feel right to me? And if for any reason it doesn't, you know, we're all free to, to make any decisions that we need to make. So that's, yeah, that's a little, a little taste of therapy. I think as probably you can all tell just by my whatever 10 minute rant about that, I am not fixed. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. Still, still a big time work in progress. Um, but it's, uh, it feels good to have this. And, and I know this is something you've lovingly encouraged me to consider, Hannah, uh, for a few years now. And it's nice to it's nice to find someone that feels right to work with. Yeah. And it's not like that was your very first session ever in therapy. You've yeah. seen other therapists. But what I think this also really highlights is that you've found someone that really where you feel that you can trust and and that there's a really meaningful conversation with that person. And research shows that the most important and most valuable aspect in therapy is the, the therapeutic alliance, the relationship with the therapist that you build. And so it doesn't really matter what kind of therapy 
So if it's CBT or Gestalt or whatever type of like psychoanalysis, it doesn't matter what kind of therapy you are doing, but the relationship, the conversations, yeah. the reciprocity and the trust that you gain um, through therapy is what really can change how how we see the world and, and our place in it. Yeah. And that's like you say, that's the, that's what I now have in this relationship. Yeah. Those previous times that I had tried therapy, um, the, the trust, the full, not that I, you know, not that I saying something bad about them or their skills or anything like that, but actually we, we had a lot of different values. And so, you know, some of the things that I value, and I'm not here to preach, but like some of the things I value is a, a plant-based nutrition, right and, and and a yogic lifestyle and i and i value um you know not indulging in intoxicants like some of these things are just important for me and when i was working with a therapist that i know didn't share any of those values it felt like I, I didn't feel like when when i shared like how important this is for me i didn't i just didn't just didn't feel that same sense of safety and now this this woman that i'm working with now it's like yeah, we're aligned in this way. It feels right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Yeah. Nice. It's beautiful that you found a therapist that you can trust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So stay tuned. Keep an eye out, everybody. You see in future episodes, every episode, I'm just going to be more therapized and more. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to probably go up and down and be an up and down mess and yo-yo uh, the rest of my life. But that's the journey. But it's really nice to have that sacred space and have that conversation. Beautiful. I, I want to slip in one other little thing here uh, because it's it's that time of year here at Harvard Divinity School where we're starting to plan for our next semester courses. And of course, you know, I'm going to continue studying um, Sanskrit. I'll continue. Actually, I'm going to take a course on the Yoga Sutras, which, by the way, which means Next year, we're going to have an amazing course, a deep dive into the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. However, I found this super cool course from this woman. Um, her name is Diana Eck. She's retiring this year. So she's like, you know, half a century been studying, uh, you know, living in India, going to um, studying the yoga practices. I wanted to read the description of this course uh, just to give you a sense, because of course, Next year, we'll also have a Happy Jack Yoga course diving into Ritual and the Life Cycle. So that'll be the name of the course, Ritual and the Life Cycle. Here's just a little description. How do we grow and change along the path of life's journey? How do practices of ordering shape our lives? How do we create the bonds and build the communities that give us meaning? In this course, we will look at the stages of the life journey, asking how we shape the things that matter most with practices, gestures, words, and symbols. This is a comparative course, drawing on several cultural and religious traditions, as well as secular culture and our own experience. We will consider creating the space that we live in, daily meditation, prayer, exercise, beginnings and blessings, rights of childhood, make-believe and competition, rights of friendship, bonding and belonging, rights of initiation and coming of age, rituals of marriage and fidelity, 
ritual dimensions of protest and resistance, facing illness, suffering, and healing, coping with aging, grief, and loss, rituals of renewal and beginning again. We will read scholars who have given us tools to think with, but we will also treat our exploration as a creative workshop, thinking together about the journey of life, its challenges, and the things we do to shape its meaning. So I don't know, there's probably a lot, and I, I'm not sure if you caught all of that, um, but I don't know, there was just something about it. Like some of those questions, myself being mid middle age, 43, you know, I'm, I'm asking some of those questions and reflecting on some of those and in anticipating things like grief and suffering and illness and death and in, of others in my life. And so I'm excited for that. And I got to say, yeah, so we got a couple of chats. Thanks for sharing that. People are excited for yoga sutras as well. Um, so we'll keep you posted when I take that course and there'll definitely be something fun in Happy Jack Yoga University. And what we would love to do right now is call upon a friend. We're bringing it over to Spain because right near the end of last, before we get into the yoga myth even, this is like a yoga truth. Just as we were getting into, uh, just as we were wrapping up last week, it might have been, even been after when, when, the, when we kind of debrief and Zoom. Welcome our friends, Alice and Scott. Scott, you had shared something really beautiful. And you, know, you, said, you said something, you said that yoga makes me want to be a better person. I love that, I resonate with that. Will you, will you share a little bit about that? What the, how that came up, what that means for you, what your experience has been? Well, well, that's very nice of you to say. I didn't really expect to be called up for that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, really. I mean, it's just, like I said before, I kind of sit aside Alice with everything that she's learned and, you know, what she does. I can see a lot through Alice as well of how she, you know, has progressed as well since she's been doing yoga. But I think um, for me personally, I just think that when you start one maybe aspect of what you get on your mat when you meditate these things just seem to like go to the next step the next step the next step and it makes you want to be calmer i think you were talking about diet uh, interestingly we what is um we're just watching a um i'm doing the bhakti course so. yeah and we're just watching a yoga documentary oh sorry yeah yeah with Edwin Bryan and stuff in it. So basically, one part of that, one guy was saying that a lot of people go to yoga classes and they get on their mat and they start doing yoga and, and no interest in anything else. They just want to do the exercise of yoga. But before you know it, you start thinking a little bit about meditation and then you start thinking a little bit about maybe the food you're eating and maybe how you are to people. And I think it is just, it's just a progression. It's just from my own personal you know, opinion, and I think with you as well, it's just a progression. And it just makes you feel, I think, better, makes you want to take more care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I love the, you know, sitting in now, these groups, you know, people are talking, people are listening. I've yet to find an angry yogi. <laughs> Everyone's cool. They seem pretty chilled. They seem pretty happy. Uh, when Alice has yeah. done her classes 
you know, we've seen people progress, haven't we, mm. through them. You know, they come in the door and they're a little bit unsure or, you know, and then, you know, over a period of time, they just, they're more relaxed, they're more open, more willing to talk about things. Um, yeah, so, so it's just, I don't know, it's just a little bit, it's just what I'm sort of observing from the outside looking in a little bit, really. But, um, you know, I think, I think you're very in it now, though. Well, maybe I am, yeah, maybe I am <laughs> yeah. more in it. that's awesome and it's so beautiful that the two of you get to be on this journey together you know and of course you know alice has been a student with us for you know you know such an important part of the community for more than a year now and the fact that you've been co-pilot you know joining and kind of receiving receiving the vibes and and joining the live yoga classes and and it's true like we you don't we don't tend to meet angry yogis and and it it has an impact i got to say something about the two of you and and oh we got we got a we got a few yogis we got Catherine Hughes in representing UK as well as well as uh, Diana of course because I was just gonna say and and you know this is over generalization but many people that I've met in UK which tend to be from London there's like a there's like a, a fast pace there's like a speed in the in the walking in the in even in the talking and the two of you and I could say the same about our other UK yogis on here. There is more of a presence and a grounded and, you know, I don't want to generalize and say all the people at UK are like this or Americans like this or Canadians. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you're, you're living it and it, and it's beautiful that it makes you want to be a better person. So not just that it makes us better people, but it has that kind of inner desire of like, you know what, I want to, I want to be the best that I can be. And yeah, I think and, as well, like projecting it to other people as well, you know, even talking to people that I work with or, you know, and I say I do yoga and I can see a little bit of interest maybe. And I think, I think as you mentioned it as well, as you get a little bit older, I don't know if it's age that tends to settle you down and calm you down a little bit as well. So maybe for me, it goes a little bit hand in hand with that as well, you know? Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful. I, I'm, I'm happy that we could slip that in and you are willing to hop in. Well, we have also our dear friend Alice here on. Uh, Alice, is, as you hear the conversation, is there something that comes up for you, something on your heart, either you've observed in yourself or perhaps you've observed in Scott, but just this idea of, of wanting to, like this hunger to be a better person? Um, yeah, I think... I think that's it in a nutshell. I, I feel the same. And I feel like even in our relationship, we've been together 20 years today, actually. <laughs> hey, congratulations. Um, a little celebration there. Wow. <laughs> um, and I think I've been doing yoga, the physical exercise, you know, for like 25 years or something. And over those years, I've kind of delved into the spiritual side but nothing really came together it was just kind of dipping in here and there but since I've been on this journey I don't know I think I've obviously been absorbing so much more and growing and that has you know had a really positive impact on our relationship together I mean I guess it was three years nearly four years ago no three years ago three years yeah that Scott decided to, it was a meditation course I was doing actually online and he decided to come along. And I was really, really shocked because he'd never shown any interest before in any, I'd just go off and do my yoga or my studies. And, um, 
but yeah together I would say since you decided to come along and he watches like I'm doing the back to yoga course I'm continuing with that at the moment and you watched um, a couple of Edwin Bryant's lectures that guy's amazing <laughs> he just yeah. amazing. yeah I know <laughs> so much wisdom right yeah and I think like watching that together and just I just think us I don't know I think it's made us stronger it's it's taken you know when you've been together for 20 years or 17 years when you joined it's you know we were fine there was no you know issues particularly but it's just it's gone to that sort of next level and I guess as we have got older like you say um I don't know it's just been a natural progression it's brought us closer together I think we both want to be better so if we have a disagreement or a falling out we both want to address it in a more in a calmer way and I think that our yoga has had a huge mm. effect on that so yeah. I love it that's so beautiful well it's an honor to it's such a, a pleasure to have you on on the calls right we get to hang out on Sundays we get to hang out uh, here on the podcast lots of different calls yoga you guys are often there even seen like holding hands or supporting one another in a supine twist I've seen that I've caught that and so just beautiful, you get to be on the journey together. Um, let's send so much love and high vibes to our dear friends in Spain, Alison Scott. Thank you for, for hopping on and sharing. You know, and I just love as well, the commitment to your studies, Alice, right? I mean, studying the, with Edwin Bryant and then the, in the Bhakti course, the thing is, right? At Happy Jack Yoga University, Hanna, there's, there's so many courses. And I actually just quickly should mention the next course, which is next month, uh, is a course that Hannah is leading, Yoga for Grief. And this is this is an important one that, that some of us could have used perhaps at earlier stages, but all of us are going to be able to benefit at some point in our lives with yes, navigating. Certainly now with the state of the world, I think it's, you know, something we all are involved in, in yeah. dealing with grief. And another thing that I wanted to say um, when I was listening to Alice and Scott and you also, Jack, about like, it sounds like now that we're talking about like therapy and, and the therapy that you're involved in and the studies that I'm doing, and then all of you sharing like that, saying that yoga makes, makes us want to be, or just helps us be better people, not just yoga, but also meditation and any of our spiritual practices. So one could say like, is yoga therapy, you know, which I don't think it is. I think it can be therapeutic and that's how we can use, or these practices can have that impact on, on the practitioners. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's so true. It's and it's, it's a really important distinction. And you know, Sue's question. Uh, yes, there will be a course. It's not going to be a certification next year, but there's going to be a there, there's going to be there's going to be teachings from your your master of yogic psychotherapy that's coming into a twenty five hour, really a, a sort of a module to support yoga teachers. Um, and yoga in the therapy meantime, is a little bit a different um, different thing yoga therapy yeah. as a as a word as a concept so we won't offer that yeah. but um we will talk about how to use yoga therapeutically and how we can facilitate yoga in a therapeutic way yeah 
-hmm. And in the meantime, Diana's already excited. Uh, next month, yoga for grief. If you want details, send us an email info at happyjackyoga.com. We'll get you the details for that. But let's, you know, let's jump into it, Hanna. We've got a myth. You've got a myth that you prepared today. What, what myth you got for us? So today it fits so perfectly with everything that we've been talking thus far. And the myth that we're going to unpack is no pain, no gain. I'm sure we have all heard that saying. And so why don't you kick off with your yogic wisdom on this? Uh, my first instinct when I heard that is that that saying does not belong in yoga. Mm -hmm. I, that is not that is not true. That is, I don't I don't think it really belongs anywhere. I understand the intention of it, right? Like I I I train, I work out, uh, you know, six days a week. I'm either doing strength training or cardio, and there is this idea when you're when you're physically challenging your body. Let's say if you're lifting a weight that you, you, we, you, in order to change, in order to tear the muscle so that, and then give it rest to repair so that it can grow. And we need muscle growth. We need that strength. Um, then yes, we, we have to challenge ourselves. And sometimes that looks like working out really hard. So we're sweating like crazy. And perhaps we're doing, doing the exercise until complete fatigue, until we can't even do one more rep. All of those things are good and those are healthy, but in there, there's no pain, right? We, we don't, it's not about going to pain. Discomfort, yes. Pain, no, we don't, we don't want that. And so, and the reason that it's even talked about in, in the, the working out world is because if, if we just do like the same easy training every day, right? Just like lightly doing our jumping jacks or lightly doing the same thing with no intensity, of course, that's healthy, but we're not going to progress. We're not going to, you know, challenge our muscles. So that's that's where the idea comes from. And perhaps in the yogic world, like there's this idea of austerity, and so austerity is 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 really about bringing discipline. It's about uh, simplification. And so sometimes austerity for a yogi might look like fasting. You know, I'm I, for those on video can see I got my trusty green juice right now. And, um, you know, so I've done, I think it was an 11 day green juice fast, no food, um, just, just water and green juice. And, and so that, like, that was very cleansing and that, that took discipline. It was not easy. There were moments of, of hunger. There were moments of like wanting to give in. And so, you know, sometimes as yogis, we do these austerities, uh, we remove material discomforts and really simplify our lives. And we, we gain clarity. So it's not like there's no gain. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We, we wake up early. We do all of these things. Um, and we might like, for example, when we're fasting, we might even feel or say things like, oh, I'm starving. And we're not actually starving. We're, we're not, you know, if we're, if we're in a controlled, you know, doing it properly, a fast. Um, but you're right. We gain so much clarity. We gain so much vitality and energy and health. But all of these things, all these yogic austerities or these strength training practices, still, my opinion, my understanding, my belief, there shouldn't be pain, right? So I, I don't like that, that saying, no pain, no gain. Um, but that's, that's just for myself. 
Yeah, I think you can use yoga in different ways, like yoga asana. If we're talking about yoga asana, I'm sure there's people who, and you also, like probably found yoga because of the physical practice. And in the beginning, when the body is not used to doing those moves, it could feel like there is pain, but but we're not looking to to keep that as part of the practice, yeah. right? And I think we just want it, to, it's a vocabulary thing. Mm -hmm. And we got people from all around the world who speak different languages as their first language. But I guess I, I really prefer the word discomfort. Yeah. Like when I get into half pigeon or frog pose, for me, that's that's really uncomfortable. It's really challenging. I'm, I'm, I want to squirm. I want to come out of the pose. Um, it's really, but now if, if, I'm, if I'm in a way such that my knee I feel like a sharp pain in yeah. my knee. That's not good, right? We don't want any kind of a pain like that. But if it's if it's just purely discomfort, and I would rather come out of the pose and and check my social media or you know do some silly thing like that, then then that's a time that we do want to say in the in the discomfort. So I feel like it's just really distinguishing the two. Mm -hmm. And so there's different styles of yoga that might have different the way we use yoga can depend right and if you think about like buddhism which is also an indian tradition originally yeah. the buddha did all the austerities he did a lot of painful exercises before he found the middle way right and a lot of his followers when he then finally accepted foods he wasn't eating he was almost dead and then he accepted a grain of rice from someone who passed by and his followers would leave him because they thought he he fell from the path or you know as a leader and so those followers maybe thought differently about pain yeah, and and it's true. Like I think that's a great example of the Buddha because he, I feel like me is lives the life of extremes. He grew up. He was a prince. He had all the material op opulence. He had all kinds of money, all kinds of comfort, food, uh, women, all of the things that people think that they want. Um, and he realized like something was missing, and and so he left the kingdom. He left that he and and he just went and went the other extreme and lived like very austere life, very disciplined, fasting, uh, living simply. And, and then he discovered for himself as well, well, this isn't it either. And that is how he came up with the middle way. And, and we get to explore that in the Buddhist psychology and mindfulness course, which is one of the, I know a lot of yogis who are here with us live just enjoyed that. We loved it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's about, in that sense, finding that balance. And the other thing I was thinking about though coming back to yoga poses and doing the pose you know there's this saying that the pose begins the moment that you want to come out of the pose and i get that right because it's like it's easy to get in and, and hold for me hold a half pigeon for five breaths you know that's like what i do five long breaths and that's just like easy for me but then if i if you know, to go beyond that, that really requires some commitment. It really requires some surrender and some letting go. And so those first five breaths that I do every day as part of my post-workout stretch or whatever, 
good, but you know, when, when I want to come out of the pose and I stay in the discomfort, that is really when the, the, the great work begins both physically and mentally. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would sum that up. I don't, I don't think we need to spend too much more time on that myth. I, for me, I drop it. No pain, no gain. I don't think that belongs in the yoga world. It's um, not part of our method or our values, no. at least. Yeah. As happy Jack yoga. Cool. No, that's great. Mm-hmm. So what have, what have you got for a main topic? I Next think on the program, something. we'll discuss something that ties into this really well. Um, again, from the 200 hour module six, where the theme is going within, um, last week we talked about noble silence and what silence, what kind of role silence might have, um, in a yogi's life. And today we're going to discuss the concept of sukha and dukkha and what that means in the yogic context. And, and so Jack, is there something you wanted to kind of, um, discuss when it comes to that i know you might have some yeah yeah so there's this these these two sanskrit words sukha and dukkha and sukha you know it means ease or happiness or pleasant Uh, it's just it's these positive qualities like these sattvic good qualities and dukkha is the opposite this 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 would include unpleasant suffering pain sorrow these kinds of things that are undesirable you could say and, and this really ties in well with a, a great teaching from the Yoga Sutra. And I'm excited to share to our dear friend, Sue. Uh, Sue had given us feedback on a recent episode to, if you're able to take the yoga myth and, and tie that in with the teaching, just so that they're not like completely disconnected, that's next level. Well, Sue, our myth was no pain, no gain. And I'm happy to share that the teaching from the Yoga Sutra very much i would feel aligned with that so the teaching i'm referencing as as allison scott said this is a a text by professor edwin bryant and the the sutra is sutra chapter 2 verse 46 and hannah i'm gonna i'm gonna call it out and you you just for fun respond back so here we go stira sukam asanam Stira sukam asanam. 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 Beautiful. And so, what this means? The sutras are very, very short. And you really need you need to have a teacher or a commentator to unpack the meaning. But essentially, what it's saying is that you know posture or our yoga yoga poses should be done steady and comfortable. So this idea of stira and sukha. So on the one side, this stira we want we want steadiness. We want to be grounded. We want to bring intention. We need to have a strong foundation. So think about think about your favorite pose, whatever it is, everybody's thinking about their favorite pose. We need that strong foundation, that steadiness. At the same time, we need sukha, that ease, that that balance, that that pleasantness, that that good quality, that that surrender. And that's the, that becomes the balance, the the balance. That becomes the the dance in the yoga pose, right? Of like 
having integrity, bringing rock star alignment to the pose, and at the same time, you know, being able to surrender and bring ease, and and that means ease in our breath, means ease in the physical alignment of the pose. It means ease, ease no the, pain. Right, at ease in, is in our mind, being able to let go in that sense, and uh, so I feel like this is this is um, really what the practice is and tying this back to to like the work I'm doing with therapy right it's like oh so maybe I don't have to, or or the or the idea of the buddha who went from a very opulent life to a very austere disciplined life this idea of the the middle path right and and the idea of of having some faith having some trust doing what feels right in this moment and then and being able to reevaluate and, and knowing that every day the pose is going to feel a little bit different and, and our body is going to evolve. You know, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. I, I swear, I, and we're all at different ages here on this call. Some of you guys are younger, some of you guys are older, but I, I would say like all the, all the way up to end of the thirties, I felt like my body was like, there was no change. Like thirties, my body was like, in fact, better than my twenties. It was like, I could do everything. I felt strong in every way, felt balance. Not, not that I'm admitting weakness or decline here, but I do notice in my 40s that it's, you know, things are a little bit different, a little bit tighter, a little bit slower. Not, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but I'm, at least for myself, I can notice these differences. And, and, and we need to honor that, right, when we get into a yoga pose. Hmm. Aging is so an accomplishment. Say that again. Aging that? is an accomplishment. Yeah, and you've said before it's a privilege, mm -hmm. right? I really love when you say that, Hanna. Like because you know people as we all do, right? Who are no longer here, and, and it is a privilege, you know. So I I was getting my hair cut, as you can see. I got my hair cut last week. You know how at the end, or at least the guys will know, maybe the girls know, at the end they get that mirror and they show you like the back of your head and which I never see otherwise. And I'm like, there's a bunch of gray hairs back there. Nobody told me. I'm like, it's, it's like, you know, you can see them on the sides here a little bit. I used to think that this was like, oh, it's going blonde. This is great. It's like <laughs> a little bit of sun kissed from the blonde. Yeah. I when I told you that you've got gray hairs there, you said, no, that's blonde. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it doing like this? No, like I don't know. Yeah, it, totally. We we get it's a privilege. We get to we get to there's there's no rush, um, and I think this let's let's tie in because I think we have the time, Hannah. There was one other aspect of the module six going within that we wanted to talk about. And so, do you mean the vasanas? Yeah. Do you want to share an example to explain what a vasana is? Yeah, so this it's basically a vasana, again, a Sanskrit word to mean habits, to mean conditioned responses um, or like patterns of behavior. And so if we all like think about for ourselves in our lives, there are different habits that we have, different patterns, and some of them serve us. And some of them don't. Some of us so lead well. to us again to therapy. <laughs> yeah, right. Some of the, some of us end up in therapy as a result, um, and that's okay though. That's 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 all good. I accept that. I celebrate. I yeah. celebrate. I'm not, not pointing you out. That's true for everyone. 
Yeah. I'm saying just in general. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm like picking up a Norwegian accent now as you speak. Me? I, yeah. I, I can like hear your Swedish Norwegian accent. I don't Seriously. know if anybody else. I'm having the... a hard time knowing what language I speak because now I hear a lot of German and then uh -huh. Italian. So I don't know that I can keep things apart. Like when I, if I send, this is off topic, obviously, everybody. When I send you a voice message, I notice I start speaking speaking to you in Italian like mm -hmm. my instinct would be to say the thing and like I now that I'm with people who also understand a lot of these languages then mm -hmm. I'm noticing that I can't keep them apart so I'm I'm using a lot of energy to stay in English and that's, nice. that's maybe why I'm glad we uh, guys see. I mean, uh, Martina, she's like, "You're welcome to go German. I'm happy with that, you know." And and Saga's like, "Bring bring on the Swedish, you know. We can handle that." Um, but yeah, we'll keep we'll keep it English for the majority of us. Um, so this idea of vasana and these habits and these conditioned right. responses. So these are my language habits that are crossing the paths are paths are crossing a bit right now. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's part of it. For me, I, you know, I've, I've used a lot of the same examples. The good habits that I have is this, for me, the, yo the morning yogic practices. I, I try sometimes to take a day off. I can't take a day off from doing awesome. Yeah, you can't. That I, is true. Can't, you cannot. Can't, you don't want to be around take a day you. off from doing meditation. Like it's just, you know, and even when I say, okay, Saturday is a day off, like no commitments, and I'll, I'll set, I'll, I'll not set the alarm and I'll sleep in and, but it's like now the day is wide open. I'm like, I'm not going to just go jump into doing some thing. I'm, I'm going to get on my mat and do some practice. So I feel like that's a, that's a good one. And, and I got to admit to my practice is, well, I, I think it's a good one. I see your reaction because I don't, because it's not, it's not like super rajasic. It's not like super passionate. In fact, if anything, if, if, if I had yoga teachers in my life who are observing my practice, I think they would be challenging me. They'd be like, <laughs> speed up a little, or, you know, come on, you can challenge yourself more. Cause I feel like I, I do bring a pretty gentle therapeutic experience to my practice. You sure um, do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Because whenever I do take a class, if I see Saga there up there laughing, I guarantee if I went to Saga yoga, Right now, she would kick my butt. Oh my goodness! As would as would any of these yoga teachers on here right now, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I that is a good. That's just Boston. karma, Jack, because you kick everybody's butt. I don't. I don't feel like my classes are so challenging. Okay, but... anyone here? What do you think about Happy Jack's hero's journey? <laughs> is it well, therapeutic well... space? <laughs> Uh, I see lots of laughing and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess it is easier to, to teach. Anyways, so, I, I, so, I uh, detoured you. You were saying no, that okay. you, your vasana that you are, you like is your morning practice. Even if it's slow, yeah. it serves you. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of good ones. Like for studying, I love to study. Like as soon as I finish my practices, but the sun still isn't up. So I study Sanskrit. Like I, so there's lots of, lots of things that I do that I think are nourishing and they serve me. And then the example, I don't know why I use, keep using the same example, but it's, it's something on my mind a lot. Peanut butter. Like there's, just, <laughs> there's peanut butter a lot on your mind. <laughs> it, 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 it's certainly not in your fridge. 
It's not in my fridge. It's not in my house. That's just, that's dangerous. That's, that doesn't happen. And, and whenever I go grocery shopping, I'm smart. So I make sure I eat before I go. Cause in fact, even just, I'll, I'll call myself out this past weekend, forget what ch- little change of schedule. So I had to grocery shop before I was four or eight. So I was hungry. While I'm going around getting all my vegetables, I'm getting my Which asparagus. It, there's like a root he does in the same supermarket. There's like five avocados, two blah, blah, blah. Everything's like pre-organized. Yeah. Did you deviate from your root? I did. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Here's, here's my root. I'll, I'll tell all of you in case you're interested. Walk into the Whole Foods, grab some green juices. I Call me out. I don't have time to make juice, so I go buy like 10 green juices which is what you can see me drinking right now. Then I go get the organic avocados, usually like 10. Yeah, I eat a lot of avocados. Then I go get my broccoli or asparagus, organic. And, and I get a my- list. He follows a list even if he always buys the same things. Yep, then I get my lemons. Then I get my sweet potatoes. You know why he needs therapy? <laughs> what do you mean? Then I get I got my hemp seeds or my chia seeds <laughs> if they're running low. And then I and then I hop over and I get frozen blueberries and anyway I think that's basically it. But there is something along the way, right near the sweet potatoes. There's a, a dangerous ter- turn in the supermarket if you take yeah, well, right that there. aisle. It's right there, and it's not even. It's actually it's not even the peanut butter. But there's these Lara bars that are peanut butter flavored. And so I, I made the I made the mistake of doing grocery shopping without filling myself first, and so I got myself a Lara bar, and you know I, as I as I do I start eating it while I'm in the grocery store because because I, I bring the wrapper to the checkout and they can still check it out. I hadn't finished even yet, and I was like, damn, that was good. So I circled my way back to the Lara bar section, got what myself a surprise. another. It was good. Peanut butter Lara bar, ripped that baby open. Oh my God, ate that up. You and guys imagine him took at, the two. At, at Whole Foods in front of the Lara bar box, ripping yeah. them open. No, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't shovel it in. I mean, I did, did my best to enjoy it. Um, I see Martina says she can relate with the peanut butter. Nice, I'm not alone. Oh, yeah. um, so... Anyway, that's something that I, ha- it's not the worst thing in the world, right? It's like, I've, I've done that before with, you know, I we don't have time to get into it in this episode. I would but- love if we, like, if you could one day demonstrate to us how much peanut butter you are able to put on a tablespoon, because nobody can empty a whole jar on a tablespoon like you can. I can. Yeah. You can get the whole jar on one tablespoon. Yeah. That's no problem. Yeah. Put that into a smoothie, get that in the Vitamix and mix it up. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's not the Vasana you're the most proud of or what? Right. That's, that's, that's one that's, but there's a conditioning there. So I'm going to work, I'll keep you posted. I'm going to work on kind of breaking that pattern. Um, But anyways, these, these are these conditioned behaviors that we have. Some of them serve us, some of them not so much. I know we're just kind of joking around having fun there, Uh, but it's, it's, I find it's really helpful to just have awareness of like what our patterns are, because sometimes we have patterns with choosing a relationship partner. Sometimes we have patterns with the, the, the nutrition that we choose. Our Sometimes we have, sorry? Mindset can be very conditioned. Yeah. Like Sue was saying we... earlier, is it possible to change mindset? Is it possible to change a vasana? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's through, through these yogic practices, through the pranayama, through the meditation. Uh, and I feel like there has to be there. It helps to have some intention on that. Um, you know, but yeah, absolutely. It can be shifted and the, the attachment can be softened. Um, yeah. So in the 200 hour, we often share the story about the hole when somebody walks down the road and there's a hole on the road and they fall in the road and then they climb up, climb up to continue their trip. But the next time you learn, how does that story go? What happens the yeah. next time? Kind of the different stages. The first stage is like, you don't even see the hole. You're walking down the road and you just fall in the hole. And then you start blaming everybody, blaming the world. What's going on? Why is this hole here? Why did I fall in? Climbing yourself out and continue. Why did they sell peanut butter at Whole Foods? Yeah, well, exactly. And then so then the next day you walk along, the hole is there. Um, you see it, but you still walk right you into it. Take the it. other so aisle. <laughs> it's there. Uh, not yet. Not there. It's there. You see it and you take it and you indulge. You mm -hmm. fall in the It's hole. You go to the grocery store hungry. Stage yeah. two. Stage three, you go, you see the hole, you see the peanut butter, whatever it is, and you you consciously make a different decision. You go around the hole. You go around the section of the grocery store that you know might be tempting. And then and then of course the, the fourth stage is you, yeah, you go a completely different way. So you don't you don't go down the road where there's a hole, you take a different route. So these are the stages. Of deconditioning of a pattern of asana. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to be mindful of time. We're just like, I think we went on some tangents there, um, but we, we are complete. Uh, That's everybody, what peanut butter does to you. The, the, the moral is next time you go grocery shopping, be sure to fill yourself up to eat before you go to the grocery store. If you have any kind of asanas like I do, uh, but thank you for taking the time to be here. Love having, we got we have 14 yogis representing around the world right now. Thank you for calling in. If you're listening on one of the platforms, we appreciate you. If you like, if you have fun, leave us a five-star comment. So then we get a little bit more visibility and keep doing this. If you're here in Zoom, if you, if you feel so called, you're welcome to stay on for a couple of minutes after uh, so we can celebrate with you, connect with you. No, no hard feelings. If you got to hop off and get to the next thing in life. Uh, but thank you, Hanna, for co-leading, co-facilitating episode 10 in the books. Full of peanut butter. Yeah, that's I it. Love it. Well, I make it an amazing rest of the day, my friends. And we will see you very soon. Namaste. Namaste, friends. Stop.